Was there a real-life human who was raised by wolves? The internet says it's true. Hey, 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 welcome to The Internet Says It's True. You know, it's a podcast where we learn something that sounds like it's made up, but it's really true. We're part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent, and this is episode 142 of the show. And later in the show, we'll be talking to mind reader and friend of the show, Eric Dittleman. So that should be fun. Stay tuned for that. If you haven't taken a minute to give us a review, it's a good way to give back. You know, it's free, obviously. Just open the Purple Apple Podcasts app. Give us a five-star rating and a review with a few words. And it's actually really surprising how much that helps other people find the show because the algorithm, I guess, looks at what's being reviewed and suggests that to other people. So you're helping out a lot when you do that. If you want to go above and beyond, and there's an awesome group of you that have, you can become a fan of this podcast, an official tizzler, as I call them, on Patreon for as little as just a dollar a month. That's nothing. You can join at any level, but all levels get access to the videos each week. Early podcasts, ad-free when you're a producer level, that's the $10 level. You become a producer of the show, and you get your name read at the end of each episode. And you also get to watch just about every magic show I do for free, because I upload them there for the gold level producer members. Now, for this episode, we're doing something slightly different. I started researching this story with just one case in mind, but the more I looked into it, I found lots of examples of similar stories with different people. So we're going to tell a few different stories and we're going to talk about the idea of feral children. The word feral is usually used referring to animals. The official dictionary definition is to exist in a wild state, especially after escape from captivity or domestication. I think they add that last part because you wouldn't say something like, you know, a feral squirrel or a feral robin, or at least that's not something you'd ever hear very often. But a feral cat is common to hear because when you see a cat in the wild, it's a common assumption that maybe that used to be someone's pet. There's a feral colony of cats in my neighborhood, and if you want to know what it's like to live in suburban Ohio, there's a Facebook group for my neighborhood and always lots and lots of discussion about the cats. Just absolutely enthralling stuff here in the burbs. But what about feral humans? What would it take for a human to be feral? When Edgar Rice Burroughs was writing Tarzan, was that based on something that actually happened, or was it all just imagination? Believe it or not, I found the answer to that. Tarzan was first published in 1912, but in 1959 an article was written in Man's Adventure magazine called The Man Who Really Was, Tarzan. It was written by Thomas Llewellyn Jones and described the story of William Milden, the 14th Earl of Stratham who was shipwrecked off the coast of West Africa in 1868 and lived for 15 years, from 11 to 26, in the jungle. It was accepted as fact by many, and it is still cited to this day as the real inspiration for Tarzan. The only problem? It's 100% made up. No such man ever existed. There was no William Milden, the 14th Earl of Stratham. So as far as we know, this idea of Tarzan, the feral man, was just purely the work of Edgar Rice Burroughs' imagination. But what about the Jungle Book? The Rudyard Kipling stories about Mowgli and Baloo and Shere Khan from 1894 could have possibly been patterned after some sort of real-life event, right? Well, Kipling admitted to having taken the stories from Indian local urban legends. He said, quote, most of the native hunters in India today think pretty much along the lines of an animal's brain, and I have cribbed freely from their tales. He said, 
The idea of beast tales seems to me new in that it is a most ancient and long forgotten idea. The really fascinating tales are those that the Bodhisat tells of his previous incarnations, ending always with the beautiful moral." End quote. So we have this story and lots of allegorical legends about the child that lives with beasts. Take for instance, Remus and Romulus. This was an ancient myth about the founding of Rome, and there are still statues of Romulus and Remus suckling on a she-wolf. The basic idea was that these were twin brothers that would inherit the throne, so they were cast out of society by King Amulius and left to die on the bank of the river Tiber. I'm probably butchering these pronunciations. So they found a she-wolf in a cave, and Romulus and Remus uh, lived by the she-wolf keeping them alive. There are several other examples of mythical children being raised by beasts, like Enkidu, who was raised by beasts in the Epic of Gilgamesh, or Pecos Bill in the American Southwest, who was said to have been raised by coyotes. But these are just legends, myths. When he was writing the Jungle Book, Kipling may have actually had a real-life example of a boy raised by beasts. Many people through the years have said that Kipling used the example of Dina Sanichar, a real-life feral child. In 1867, now this is 27 years before Jungle Book was published, a group of hunters were tracking wolves in India. The area was Bulandashar in Uttar Pradesh, India. This is just east of New Delhi. So these hunters tracked a wolf into a cave, and they were amazed to find a six-year-old boy living among the wolves. They took the boy to an orphanage in Agra, and he was given the name Dina Sanichar. Sanichar means Saturday, and he was given that name because that's what day of the week he arrived. He would only eat raw meat and walked on all fours, leading his new caretakers to presume that he had only ever had the wolves to learn from. He couldn't speak, but communicated with howls and growls. Sanichar was incredibly learning-impaired and never learned to talk. He did take up smoking and supposedly smoked like a chimney. He lived among humans for the remainder of his life, which ended at a relatively young age when he died in 1895 from tuberculosis. I found a mention written about Dina Sanichar from a book called The Jungle Life in India, and this was written in 1880, so pretty contemporaneously to when it happened. And it was written by Valentine Ball, who worked in India for the Geological Survey of India. He says, quote, He is very much like a wild animal, his very whine reminds one of a young dog or some such creature. Some years ago, we had a similar child. He's picked up wonderfully, and though he has not learned to speak, can fully express his joys and grief. We trust the new unfortunate may soon improve too. Close quote. In this case, sadly, Ball was wrong. Sanichar never really improved. When he was admitted to the orphanage, the records show one word under the column of state of health. Quote, idiot. End quote. People weren't as kind with their words back then. There are plenty of photos of Dina Sanichar out there, and when you see these photos, you can see how living in the wild affected him. He has the stare of a scared wild animal. He became famous as the Wolf Boy of Northern India, and people came to the orphanage from far and wide to gawk at the poor boy. Unfortunate indeed. There are multiple stories of feral boys that were brought into orphanage throughout the years, and it turns out it was just sort of common for India at that time in its history. There's a story of a similar boy who was brought to the orphanage in Agra in 1872, and that story is often confused with the one about Sanichar. 
There are stories of humans being raised by wolves throughout history. But I was also really interested to find stories of people being raised by monkeys, dogs, goats, and even bears. We'll tell some of those stories after a quick break. The internet says it's true is happy to be sponsored by The Power of the Streak. This is an easy to read book by author Kara Wood with the best idea yet for consistent exercise and staying motivated over time. That part I read, this part I'm telling you from the heart, I struggle with working out regularly. You know, I'll go back, I'll start exercising and then I'll stop after a couple of weeks or I'll go a week and a half and then I'll stop. And I learned that I'm not the only one who this happens to. So Kara has a similar story. Kara was, you know, basically without motivation for years. And she was able to find that formula that got her to flip the switch and she hasn't looked back. She actually has been able to stick with it through uh, the methods that she teaches in her book. So she tells her story of starting and keeping a running streak for 12 busy years while having a demanding career, two kids. I mean, she has the the secret to, to exercise no matter what. Her story is funny, it's relatable and inspiring, and she explains to you how you can do the same thing with any exercise. And it doesn't have to be running, which is hard on your knees and hurts your feet. And this isn't just the internet saying it's true. Even a cynic will leave feeling motivated, inspired, and excited to commit once and for all to long-lasting exercise and fitness. The book is called The Power of the Streak by Kara Wood, and it's available in all formats where books are sold. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you can also get the audiobook on iTunes and Audible. So make sure, you know, you, you learn all about this. Go pick up the book. You can also follow The Power of the Streak on Instagram. It's just at The Power of the Streak and Twitter, Power of Streak. I think that you will enjoy it. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but Unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. 
We're living through the most dynamic time in human history, and what we do as leaders matter. We are the ones that create the leverage to shift directions of our companies, our nonprofits, and our communities. As a leader or an emerging leader, please join me for a dynamic conversation with top thought leaders, academics, and executives to learn more about how to elevate your leadership. I'm Maureen Metcalf. Join us at the WCBE podcast experience at wcbe.org. Before the break, we told the story about Dina Sanichar from the 19th century. And when you get to those old stories, it's really hard to prove how true they are. All you have to go on are whatever few written accounts existed. For instance, there are lots of stories about Hessian wolf children from the 14th century, but those stories almost exist in the realm of legend because they're really tough to prove. It seems like in all of them, the stories are about children who lived with a Eurasian wolf in the forests of Hesse. So let's instead look at some more modern stories of this happening. 1954. A girl named Marina Chapman was kidnapped at the age of five. Her captors drove her deep into the Colombian jungle and left her to fend for herself until they came back, which they never did. Apparently, she came across a family of weeper capuchin monkeys who largely ignored her but weren't bothered by her presence. When they moved, she moved with them and just stayed near as she stayed alive by eating whatever she could find around her. At one point, she ate tamarind, which gave her horrible food poisoning, and one of the older monkeys actually led her to water where she drank and nursed herself back to health. After that, the monkeys seemed to care for her and she lived in the trees with them and continued living with the monkeys in the jungle until her rescue four years later. It seems almost too strange to be true. In Uganda, John Sabunya was orphaned as a toddler. He didn't end up in an orphanage, instead he ran away into the jungle and lived with a group of vervet monkeys until the age of seven. The monkeys fed and protected John. After he was brought back into civilization, he only made monkey sounds and never learned to communicate with humans other than demanding food. There are a few modern stories of kids being raised by dogs. Oksana Malaya was neglected by her parents in Ukraine. In 1991, she was only three years old and crawled out to the farmland near her home and lived with a pack of black Russian terriers for the next six years. When she was picked up by Ukrainian human services at the age of nine, she walked on all fours and only communicated with barks and howls. She was eventually taught to speak but her early years of neglect ended up giving her severe intellectual impairment. Similar stories have occurred in Russia, Romania, Siberia, and Chile. In Kyrgyzstan, a 14-year-old boy was discovered living among a flock of sheep. He had reportedly been with the sheep for the last eight years, and they had protected him and led him to food. In one of the stranger stories, there's a prominent 17th century tale of a young boy living in the forests of Lithuania with a Eurasian brown bear. He's known as the Lithuanian Bear Boy, and apparently he was discovered in the spring of 1663 when he was removed from the forest and brought to Warsaw in Poland. And what about birds? There was a North African boy, Sidi Mohammed, in 1945. At the age of six, he wandered away from his family and found an ostrich nest with chicks hatching and somehow became friends with them. Like the wolves, dogs, monkeys, and sheep, they took care of him, teaching him to run fast and sheltered him by each extending a wing over the boy. When he was discovered and returned to civilization at the age of 12, 
he was eating mostly grass. All of these stories have one sad fact in common, neglect. So while it's interesting and novel to think about these kids living with animals, it's also very sad. So I think one of the ways we can think about this from a positive perspective is to think about these animals. There's a subreddit on the internet called Animals Being Bros that just displays animals being friendly toward humans. And there's something innate in many animals that allows them to be caring, nurturing, and loving. And they can be very perceptive to know that a young child will die in the wild without their help. It's an interesting study also in the nature versus nurture debate. How much of our development is inborn versus what society teaches us. These cases tend to show exactly how important a loving, caring home is to young people. And these cases also show that the real animals are the ones neglecting these kids in the first place. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today we've got Eric Dittleman. Dittleman's a good friend of mine. He's a mind reader, travels all over the country doing mind reading shows. He also does a lot of different shows in New York, and he's about to go on tour this summer. And so he might be coming to a city near you. He's been on the show a ton. He's a friend of the show. If you regularly listen, you've heard him. What's going on, Eric? Here's what happened. I I wasn't planning on having a guest this week. I wanted to go back. Two weeks ago, I decided to get all my guests from Chat Roulette. And it worked right. really well. And then I, so I was going to do that again this week. And after I got, I had a good guest uh, from Australia. Um she, her name was Daisy, and she she played along and enjoyed it. And then after the after that guest, I connected to someone else, and I was banned. You were banned. Yeah, fully clothed, oh. fully clothed, mind you. I was banned. Um, oh. So uh, I don't know. You were doing a show, and maybe I read the TOS, and there was nothing about. Now it did say advertising or spam, so maybe doing you know a show falls under that. But... Maybe if I thought it was spam, possibly. <laughs> It's probably the most innocent way a person's ever been banned from that website. <laughs> yeah. How was your birthday? Good. It was good. I'm still recovering from trips last week. Yeah. yeah. Mom Diddleman came into New York. I know. It was uh, quite the trip. I drove up to Massachusetts to pick her up and drove her back down. And boy, did we take a lot of lifts, but it was all worth it. It was great. So. Lots of, lots of lifts. You know, yeah. that's funny. Like, that has changed the New York experience. I mean... Yeah, it's easier to call a car. I mean, it's all still expensive. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's still expensive. But I was just thinking about, like, you know, I've I've got um, a gig that's... A cruise gig that's where I'm coming to New York at the end of it. And I was like, you know, normally you would just... From the, the port, you would just get in a cab and go to the airport. And now it's like, I don't even need to do that. It's... Right. Yeah. It's changed yeah. the game. It's changed well, the game. The cabs are cheaper still. It's just that she couldn't do all the walking with the subway and everything like that. So like so we still get around by subway mostly us in New York. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. I I've never yeah. really taken advantage of the subway cuz I'm usually there with all my gear. Yeah. So yeah. um other than the times I've been there like, you know, as a tourist, which hasn't been a lot. I think I've been there yeah. maybe 3 times as a tourist and the rest have been for for work. So <laughs> Well, By the thanks. way, I have you on my list for speaking of coming to New York and uh, eventually for uh, Ostruck down the line. I'm excited about this. This is a new show you're doing. Yeah, this is yeah. um, it's called Ostruck, and where is it? 
It's at the public hotel down on like Christie Street. Uh, it's like in their basement. They have this art space. Uh, they kind of remodeled it all. It's very swanky. They're doing a comedy show there every Friday night, but we're doing a monthly variety show uh, starting Monday, uh, Monday in June. And then if it's successful, we'll keep doing it and maybe even go weekly, but we'll see. That would be, that would be a lot of work to do a it's weekly a lot of, show. I know, I know. But if the money's there, because <laughs> yeah. we're getting, a, we have quite a budget and, you know, we're getting, we're paying the acts more than like some other magic shows in the city that <laughs> will remain yeah. nameless that yeah. are also on Monday nights. <laughs> <laughs> no hints. Uh, you uh, know, yeah. if you, a lot of our listeners are in Columbus, Ohio, if you're listening in, in Columbus, Ohio, you should know that Eric Dittleman is coming to town in July. So um, he's going to be here on July 20th and 21st. And he and I are going to do a special show together at Upfront yeah. Performance Space. Upfront Performance Space is like, um, it's the, it used to be called Backstage Bistro. It's the area at Shadowbox Live where you can sit and have a meal and watch a show and uh, actually watch two shows uh, because Eric and I are both going to do some time on stage and it's going to be a good time, man. I'm just excited to hang out. Yeah, it's going to be fun just to like chill. It's it's an, amidst my little magic tour uh this summer that I'm doing. So it's like I wanted to swing by, say hi to you and uh go to Columbus, Ohio. So you know, and it's so fun when we get to perform together cuz we're usually just like in the same city for conferences or whatnot, but right. Never, never get to really hang. Yeah. Well, this uh this is like I said is super last minute. I do appreciate you coming on. Um and uh, I'll, I'll try to get you in and out since you were so gracious to be able sure. to, uh, to do this last minute. And for this question, like always, we're going to play for a joke. So if you get it wrong, you got to tell me a joke. If you get it right, I'll tell you a joke. Here is your question. The story of Dina Sanichar is a true story from the 1860s about a famous boy that couldn't talk. Why couldn't he talk? A, he was born without a mouth. B, he was raised by wolves. Or C, he just didn't want to. Born without a mouth seems like I'm sure it's happened, but like, wow. What, what's the name of the uh, author? Like, it's a story you said. It's uh, an author. It's no. So the story. Um, okay. The the person's name, the actual boy yeah. that couldn't talk, his okay. name uh, was Dina Sanichar. Okay, I'm wondering if this has ties to like I don't know the inspiration for like the Jungle Book or something. So I'm gonna guess B. Raised by wolves. Man, you got that all right. <laughs> you got it all right. Not only, not only was he raised by wolves, but there are many claims that yes, he was the inspiration for Rudyard Kipling's Jungle Book. Um, yeah, and it's a it's an old story. Poor guy, you know, never he was always intellectually disabled after that. Um, yeah, and the all of the stories, so you know how like old stories when you find them. A lot of them are sort of the same because there are very few sources and then it's just amplifications right. of those sources. So they all mentioned about what a chain smoker he was when he <laughs> was brought back into civilization. It's just a weird thing that like all these stories latched onto is that he smoked like a chimney. Yeah. So. It's one of those things is if it's repeated through many different tellings of the story, you know, it's probably true because they would have they wouldn't have left it out. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's also like know. I think it's also probably a very like novel thing to imagine someone living in the jungle and then all of a sudden being exposed to cigarettes yeah. and being like, Oh, I like this. Um, I don't know. 
Well, it's interesting too, because like in the world religions, like they all have some story about a great flood. So like people, yeah. because we weren't around there, so they're like that probably happened if it was so across all these different stories, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really interesting thing to think about because like you know these the these historical parts of legend or the historical parts of myth or whatever it is, and especially in the case of a flood, like for it to be in all of these societies that are so far mm -hmm. apart before people really were traveling around the world like that, it had to have been something, you know, that was, yeah. that was massive. So, um, just also our plug for our show, isn't just going to be all just fun facts. It'll be fun and magic and comedy as well. <laughs> very little facts. In fact, <laughs> very, it's very light on trivia and very yeah. heavy on, um, on stuff that we're not going to give you the answers to. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Unless the trivia question is, "How did he do that?" Then that's a trivia question. We'll be back. Um, oh, I owe you a joke. Here you go. Why couldn't the wolf run in the marathon? Oh, why not? I don't know this one. Because he wasn't part of the human race. Uh, it's a race joke. It. It's a it's a race racial joke. That was racy. Racy is a racy racial. <laughs> oh boy. Wow, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, question two for this next question we're playing for posting about this podcast on your social media where you'll have to even tag the podcast in the Rudyard Kipling books and the Disney movie Jungle Book. What was the name of the Black Panther character that acted as Mowgli's protector? I'm, I'm you're you like Disney, so I'm really curious if you can I do think this I one know without. It without the hints. OK, um, and I'll tell you what, if you get it wrong, I'll give you the hints and then we can. So it doesn't I count. Leave. It's Bagheera. You don't need the hints. You got it right. Bagheera is their answer. Uh, Mowgli's yeah. protector. The other, the other options were going to be Shere Khan or Ka. He's the villain. Yeah, Shere Khan's the tiger the and Ka's the snake. Yeah. Which apparently, I just read this. I, I haven't seen the 1998 Jungle Book, but apparently Ka is not in it. Oh. I'm, I have no idea. And I guess there's a live action Jungle Book. I don't think that's the 98 version. There was a live action one, and uh, it's worth seeing just for the King Louis scene. Oh, I'll say that. <laughs> okay, who played yeah. King Louis' voice? I can't remember off the top of my head. It was some comic actor. <laughs> I feel like it needs to be John Goodman, or else it's. I mean, that would be a perfect casting choice for King Louis, right? I don't know what. Who was? Uh, well, oh, Bill maybe, Murray was Baloo, right? Bill Murray was okay. So that's a yeah. good. That's a good casting choice. Yeah. Let's look yeah, it I'm up because I'm curious. I'm looking now. it up. Oh, yeah. are you? Okay, let me know. Yeah. Maybe you'll get there. Oh, it was Christopher Walken. <laughs> okay, that's great too. You <laughs> Which can, was amazing. He's, a, he's pretty much like a drop-in, right? Like you can yeah, put yeah, him yeah. in just about anything and it'll work. Yeah. Um, just between his acting skill and his uh, legendary, you know, like cult status, you <laughs> can pretty much just drop him in. All right. So for this next question, oh, so what was the thing for? You got it right. So... You have to know. post about it on your social media, I'll, which I'll is really it. hard for you. I don't know if Monday you ever anyway. do this. Every Monday and Wednesday anyway. <laughs> Maybe I'll post about when When are you guys picking up your Mind Over Magic podcast? Oh, it's still on hiatus. It is. is yeah, yeah, I understand, yeah, 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 man. Yeah, yeah. I It's really hard once you stop to get back into it. And right. well, I'll post about, uh, you know, your, your upcoming show in New York. How about that? I, oh, that'd be helpful. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I don't have a ton of New York people, but enough that, you know, it, it'll help. Yeah. Question three. For this question, we're going to play for a book re recommendation. So if you get it wrong, Ooh. you've got to recommend a book. If you get it right, I'll recommend one. Mm, okay. uh, in the original version of Peter Pan, 
which actually existed as a story inside the novel The Little White Bird. Peter Pan is raised and cared for by what animals? A. Birds, B. Lions, or C. Mice. Ooh, I don't know this. I feel like you saying little white birds would lead me to birds, but I don't think maybe it's a trick question. Um, mice is interesting. He's kind of got that like Pied Piper look to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel like lions might be the answer. I'm going to say lions. The answer is a birds uh, oh, it wasn't a trick question it was not a trick question gave it to me. in the original story uh peter pan lived on a little island in the middle of the pond in kensington gardens after flying away from home because all the children are truly birds deep down and simply forget how to fly as they get older so and that it was there that he lived among the birds during that time his birth mother had another child and then didn't accept him back so apparently that's the backstory the original origin story of peter pan and hence Peter Pan wanting to fly and all this stuff. All of that, like yeah. Yep. I just saw Peter Pan goes wrong here in New York. Uh, uh, now, did you see that with, with Neil Patrick Harris? Yes, he was narrator uh, for... for uh, I went during his little limited run. Yeah. I wanted to catch him. Yeah, it was fantastic. It's very, very funny. And just the, the uh, scheduled chaos that they have, because it has to look... Like everything goes wrong, but everything's so precise oh. that it looks wrong at the right times at the, you know. Yeah. It's, it's like so, a so Donnie Diortes performance. Yeah. Um, and the fact that's that a it's deep just cut like, for you magicians listening. <laughs> just the fact that, you know, the stage crew is the real star behind, you know, all the extra comedy and all the other com comedy bits that the players do. But sure. Just yeah. like the, the play that goes wrong. Um, yep. There's another goes wrong, isn't there? Isn't, isn't I saw the magic show goes wrong was in the West End. Oh, uh, with a lot of Penn and Teller material that was in there because they were consulting with them. Well, that's fun. Uh, and I believe they have a few others that haven't made it to the states yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and a, and a show as well, a TV show in the BBC. Oh, I feel like I've seen um another play, another uh, onstage play that's um a popular story that goes wrong. I can't remember exactly mm -hmm. what it, what I'm thinking of now. Uh, so that's, that's, I, I need to actually see any show cause I've just yeah. been craving like, you know, seeing some real shows. Come to New York. Uh, well, we can come I, to my show and then we can go hit up Broadway. Or... Hell yeah. I, I would love that, man. I, I, I keep saying I'm going to go to New York, uh, just for a fun trip and I, I never can find the time. I never put the, I never make the time Absolutely. cause you know how yeah. it is when you're busy, yep. you have off time and all you want to do is be home. Yep. So. Exactly. Uh, you got that wrong. Do you have a book recommendation? I'll do the uh, book recommendation I always do. It was actually a recommendation from a friend of ours, Mr. C.J. Johnson. Yeah. Changed my life and the way I look at money management. is called uh, a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. Oh, and it's uh, all parables set in Babylonian times about money management. So you, it doesn't tell you specifics, but you learn lessons about you know putting money aside and like uh, how how this one person became the richest man in Babylon. So it's a it's a huh. good investment book, especially since they should teach you this stuff in schools. And at least in my public school, we didn't really talk about money management which seems to be such a large issue for a lot of people so yeah uh, is there a chapter in there about um your wife not having three horses <laughs> i i think in babylonian times uh, you probably had three horses <laughs> <laughs> but especially for gig uh, entertainers like us i mean yeah. 
you know, you don't have that security sometimes. So you have to build your own. And of course, when the pandemic hit, you know, some people who took that advice had stuff to live on until they figured out, you know, how to make yeah. uh, a living during the pandemic. So others, especially in our field, we know a lot of people who are very famous to us that, you know, are not necessarily known outside the field, but, uh, you know, are big names that also are just, you know, kind of living paycheck to paycheck, gig to gig. So, yeah. It's a weird thing in magic that these people that we grew up like looking up to are really just doing the same thing we are and then just waiting for the next gig to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that when you have someone that you look up to, there's this, there's this idea that they're just, they live in a mansion and they're set for life and they have all this money. And a lot of times, they're just, yeah, they're just like we are, <laughs> you know, it's just like just trying to m- make sure that that next season is going to have enough gigs in it. And also, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Also, shout out since I mentioned him uh, to uh, CJ Johnson, because he had a birthday yesterday as well. We share a birthday. Yeah. CJ, <laughs> happy birthday to you as well. I did. I did talk to him uh, last week. He called just to say what's up, which I always appreciate. Nice. Cool, cool, cool. He spent the day with That's his awesome. with his granddaughter, which was really oh, cool. amazing, amazing. So, um, I'll even though I you got that question wrong, I'll I'll I have a, a book re- a recommendation Ooh. as well. Uh, yeah, this is one please. that I was just talking about with a friend because we were talking about the debate of Confederate statues. Okay, mm. so like you know why Those the are statues, statues that are also in on it with you? Yes. You know, inside no, magic no, no, jokes no. aren't going to work for 80% of the listening audience. <laughs> I feel um, like that's a term that just people it, know. If you don't know, confederate, confederate. <laughs> is another word for like a plant. It's also yeah, yeah. called a stooge. And when I worked at Shadow Bo- with, with Shadowbox Live, they called that a pigeon, which I had never heard oh, nice. before. Funny. Yeah. And we won't have any of those in our show in July. No, not, not. Yeah. Um, so the book that I was going to recommend is Confederates in the Attic. And it's a book Mm. by Tony Horwitz. It was written, I believe, in the late 90s. He traveled through the South and talked to people like that keep the Confederate, the idea of the lost cause alive and just reported on it. And it was eye opening because a lot of those things are just as true today, probably more true uh, today than they were when he wrote that in the 90s. So, wow. Yeah. Now, should I check my attic for? Confederates. Confederate. <laughs> yes, well, please. That would also require I had an attic. I, I was going to say, I'd be surprised if you had an <laughs> attic there in Astoria. Uh, question four. For this question, we're going to play for an embarrassing story. So if you get it wrong, it doesn't have to be a stage story, but it could be. You've got to tell us something embarrassing that happened to you. If you get it right, I'll tell an embarrassing story that happened to me. And the one that I have written down here to remind myself is not a stage story. So, okay. Uh, okay so what is I better ta- get this right? Cause I don't know if I have any that I haven't blocked out mentally. <laughs> yeah. Or told so on the I'll show before. I don't know. Yeah, if you, yeah. Uh, what is Tarzan's real name? Is it a John Milbourne of Marbury B John Clayton Viscount Greystoke or C Christopher Jordan, Duke of Loudoun. I only know this because of a, a Tarzan film that came out when I was a young child with one of these words in it. So once again, those were John Milbourne of Marbury, John Clayton, Viscount Greystoke, or Christopher Jordan, Duke of Loudoun. My gut said is A, but I don't think it's A. It's, I'm going to go with A, though. A, the answer is B, John Clayton, Viscount Greystoke. Um, there was, yeah, there was a Greystoke movie. 
when I was a kid. It was a Tarzan movie right. called Greystoke when I was gotcha. a kid. I don't know gotcha. if it was called Greystoke or Lord Greystoke or something like that, but it was, I remember that not understanding why Tarzan was called Greystoke. Like when I was, you know, wanting to see the movie or whatever. So okay, um, I have one. I have okay. a story. Oh, do you I, really? I yeah, it's a, um, it's a, it, I kind of turned it into a, a bit of a bit that I tell on stage. Uh, so uh, uh, this goes way back to my bar mitzvah. And uh, during my bar mitzvah, you know, it's very traditional for, you know, the bar mitzvah boy to be lift up during the hora yeah. on the chair. Uh, so I wanted to be cool. I didn't know you had to like hold on to the chair. So I was like raising the roof or whatever. And so we, I fell off the chair Oh no! at, at my bar mitzvah. My uncle caught me. But what's great is we had a great before and after photo of going, yay, I'm a man. No, still a boy. So. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm trying to think from the, the Jewish weddings I've been to and we've done the horror. They they hold like a cloth that someone else holds on to, right? They both hold cloth between them, but I believe that other hand is securely holding on to the okay. chair. And okay. and I've also been on the lifting part. It is not easy to lift, uh, <laughs> even with four yeah. people, one on each leg of the chair. It's uh, I've always you know, to... declined the lifting, um, being the Gentile in the crowd. It's sure. enough that they let me wear a yarmulke. There you um, go. <laughs> so it's enough that they invite me in. So the last uh, wedding I did uh, the chairlifting for, they did an epic rock and roll montage horror that lasted at least fifteen minutes long. <laughs> so it was it was a, quite the workout <laughs> raising the chairs for that. Like long. the song was a montage, like a medley. Yeah, a medley. <laughs> it was a rock and roll. All these other rock and roll songs. Uh, spliced into the horror <laughs> that's amazing i did get to sign the ketubah for my friend that, oh nice. that made me feel that made me feel uh pretty important yeah. pretty special um okay so <laughs> let's move on um question what are we on we're on question five now normally this is an open-ended question and it's for all the marbles but being that this was meant to go to complete strangers i didn't want to do an open-ended question so we're going to do another one and for this question we're going to play for a favorite quote and if you get it wrong, you've got to share a favorite quote of yours. If you get it right, I'll share one of mine. Like one I said or a quote no, someone no, else said you, that I, I mean, enjoyed. if it's a good quote, I don't care if it's a diddle yeah. quote. It, okay. can be a, it can be a diddle, a diddleman ditto. I, I don't think I have that, but I do have a list of quotes that I really enjoy. So I feel like there's something, diddle, diddleman dittos needs to be something. Diddleman mm. doodles? Diddleman. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> diddle. Doodles, Eric Doodle, do, never mind. For this As an improviser, I tend to like to yes and, but on this particular instance. <laughs> Just shut it down. Oh my God. Okay. For this question, uh, here it is. What is the biggest threat to the life of a gray wolf? Is it A, humans, B, alligators, or C, bears? I, I, whenever it's these type of questions, I always just assume we're the problem. So I'm going to say humans. <laughs> You're right. We are the problem. It is humans. <laughs> it is humans. Cars, poisoning, and hunting are the biggest threats to gray wolves, all caused by humans. They've been on the endangered species list in the U.S. and Mexico yeah. since 1978, since before we were born. So what'd you do? Two for four, I think, today? Uh, three for five, maybe. Oh Are yeah, five three, questions. Three, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. 
between, this is your podcast. Between Michael. chat roulette banning me and your internet going down, th- this just has been a nightmare today. Um, it's but all right. We I'm, can splice it all together. I'm fine. thankful for you, Eric. I'm thankful for you as a friend yeah, and that you were able to uh, to come on the show late notice. So one more time, your, str- your show is called Awestruck? Awestruck with Eric Dittleman starting uh, June 12th here in New York City at the Public Hotels. Uh, and then you can also see a lot of the stuff that I'm uh, traveling around doing some magic theater tours this summer. If you just go to my website, ericdittleman.com, there's a link of upcoming shows. Uh, that includes the show we're doing together July, what is it, 20? 20, 20 and 21 20? we're going to do, which is a, like a yeah. Thursday, Friday. But you'll be at Keller's in Erie. You'll be where else? You'll be a lot of different uh, places. J&B Magic Shop in, uh, in New, New Albany, Albany outside Indiana. of Louisville. Uh, Chicago Magic Lounge, um, a bunch uh, Smoke and Mirrors in Philly area, so a bunch of places. Uh, That's great. When are you doing yeah, the lounge, the Magic Lounge? Oof, end of July, I believe. Okay, I'm yeah. there in a few weeks. I'm there on the 15th of June, 15th or 18th of June. Hey. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah. By the way, you got I got that question right. You need to give me a quote. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, I and I have a quote these. I'll share anyway. Uh, yeah. The the one that. Over the years that I, well, there are two, um, and, but one of them I have to Google because I want to make sure I get the, the attribution right. The one that I, comes back to me all the time, and this goes with being a performer and having imposter syndrome and all that. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. That's, good. That's a Eleanor Roosevelt quote. I like the that. The other one, it's attributed to Langya. L-A-N-G-Y-A. And I'm not really sure who, who that is. I'm guessing this is a Buddhist quote, um, but it's, this, this is the quote. Consider the trees which allow the birds to perch and fly away without either inviting them to stay or desiring them never to depart. If your heart can be like this, you'll be near the way. Mm, I like so that. It's basically, yeah, it's a, um, it's a quote zen. pushing away the idea of attachment. To yeah, things staying great. or or going or whatever. So, I'll I'll share two anyway, even though I got that question right. Yes, please do. Um, just is, is one, one of them a Diddleman quote? No, no, oh, no, shoot. they're not. No, no, no. But one um speaks to just at being in the art field and being artists ourselves. I just love this. It's from Edward Hopper, and it says, "If I could say it in words, there would be no reason to paint," which I really like. Oh. Uh, and then the other one, which applies not only to taking risks in art and careers, but also in life in general, uh, because it can be scary to do so. It's a John Shedd quote that's quoted a lot, uh, but a ship in a harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. Love it. I like, yeah. I, I like that one, too. That's a, that I need to um, I need to say that one to myself a few times this week. I've got a cruise gig coming up and it makes me nervous because I don't do a lot of them. Literal ships. Literal. Yeah, it's a literal <laughs> ship quote for a literal ship. Uh, yeah, that's, and, and I've just, you know, whenever you do a gig that you're not, that's different than what you're used to doing, it's stressful. And so I've been just stressing out trying to figure out, because there's just a lot more rules. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure I felt this way when I pre- first started performing in colleges too. But if you yeah. told me to do a college gig tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, no, no problem. Yeah, right. We're just used to that now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Eric, it was a pleasure having you on, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple months here in Columbus. Um, Thanks for having me. And if you're in the New York area or in any of the areas that Eric has on his website, go see his show. It's worth it. 
it's worth it. Yeah, click that link, ericdittleman.com, D-I-T-T-E-L, although try to spell it wrong and see if it still gets through there. Ooh, it's a good challenge <laughs> for our listeners. Fantastic. Good to see you again, man. Good to see you, man. Take it easy. <laughs> Well, that is all for this week. Thanks to Eric Dittleman for being my guest. Here's a little kid who was raised by Homo sapiens. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it. See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions helped to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Denny Corby, Joshua Endress, Dallas Ray, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Jim and Joanne Martin, Mitch and Andrew Joseph Kemplin, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Ken. Theme song is by Finite Music Forge. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. The Internet Says It's True is part of the WCBE podcast experience.